Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the D-Schooling Diary, a 365-day journey into living and learning without school. You can order your copy today on Amazon. Um, Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I am the host of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. And today, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Jenny Fournier. Jenny, thank you so very much for joining us today. And to all of my listeners, thank you for joining Jenny and I as we have a conversation that can change the world. Thanks so much for having me, Angela. It's been great to connect with you on Twitter and so many other moms who are unschooling, world schooling, homeschooling. It's exciting to see um, a little bit about myself. Uh, My name is Jenny. I'm 27 years old and I am a grown up unschooler. I was unschooled my whole childhood. I never went to school K through 12. I did go to college but I graduated and was very glad to get out of there. It was kind of difficult for me after, you know, being free my whole life, but I did go to college. I got a degree in music and I currently teach music. Oh my goodness. So Jenny, that is incredible. And I'm really excited to dive deeper into your experience with unschooling. Um, But I just want to let you know up front, you are actually the very first person that I've interviewed that has been unschooled. So I am super excited to have this conversation with you because I'm actually just starting my unschooling journey. Um, My daughter is actually going to be eight and my son is three. And so we're at the very, very beginning of this. And so um, I know a lot of other people as well that are listening and that are in my audience. They're also kind of just starting this journey with unschooling. And so I think it's really valuable to be able to hear from someone who's already gone through this whole experience from start to finish and you're you've grown up and you're able to kind of share with us your wisdom as someone who was unschooled um, I think you have a really unique perspective to offer the world because a lot of times I know it's parents that are having these discussions but I'm super excited to be able to give you an opportunity to share more about your story as uh, as a child who was unschooled and now as a woman who's a grown unschooler and is living your life and is successful and loving the life that you live. And um, yeah, so I'm so, so grateful to be able to have you on today and to just share. So um, to start us off, I would love to know what was it like for you growing up as an unschooler? Oh, so my childhood was unique, not just that I was unschooled. My father was in the military. So I also grew up moving around. I've lived kind of all over the States. Um, I've lived overseas. And so that really contributed to kind of my unschooling childhood. And it's one of the reasons my mom actually decided to do this. 
Um, she also grew up military family. She was in three different schools in third grade. Oh, wow. You know, because of moving, you know, oftentimes you're stationed for a year, two years, three years, and then you change. And then so the kids are moving around. So that was kind of in the back of her mind. Um, but I think really the biggest part of it was I was five years old. I'm the oldest. She was looking for a kindergarten for me. And we were in Texas at the time and she couldn't find a kindergarten that was half day, mm. you know, and she didn't feel right about that. We just come from Germany where they have kindergarten up till seven and it's a much different system in Germany. You know, kindergarten is more playing, less um, structured education. So I guess she kind of had that in her head. She was looking for a half day kindergarten because I was five. I was still taking naps. She just didn't want me in school all day. Yeah. Um, couldn't find one. She came home and I guess the story goes, I don't actually remember this too well. She checked out like all these books about homeschooling and unschooling and this and that. And she just read them and read them. And then she brought it up to my dad and she said, I think this is what I want to do and managed to talk him into it somehow. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's how it started. So I just, I continued my life at home. You know, I was at home before nothing changed in my life. My mom started doing reading lessons with me. Um, and we never had a curriculum. At first, she just, she kind of picked the educational resources that she wanted. She, I don't know if I mentioned this, but she was a public school teacher before she got married and had kids. Mm -hmm. So she was very familiar with like the different educational resources that are out there. And I think even if you're not a teacher, um, parents are kind of familiar with this too because now we have this great community you know social media and this and that um so she just kind of picked and chose books that she wanted to work with us hmm. as and I remember you know I learned to read she started math with us she did the recorder but as we got older she just kind of trusted us more it was crazy because she used to be a little more structured and then she kind of saw how we were learning ourselves I mean she took us to the library and we were always checking out books. We got to check out five books at a time. And we went to the library multiple times a week because we just read so fast. You know, we're outside playing. We were creating stuff. Um, we put on shows like with our stuffed animals and we made them all paper costumes. Like we were just doing everything. And she just stopped kind of assigning us schoolwork really as much. I mean, sometimes she'd say, okay, I want you to read this book, but she never tested us. Um, she never sat down with me once I could read. I, she was there if I needed help. Mm -hmm. You know, she was always there if I needed help. But generally, she trusted me to read and retain information and understand it. And wow. that it was really amazing growing up like that. Like, I'm so grateful. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's incredible. And I, it, I'm so fascinated with the whole idea of reading as an unschooler because I actually was a reading teacher for a good portion of my teaching career. And so that was the part that I was super worried about. I was terrified that if you don't teach a child to read, then they'll never learn how to read. And I was worried, you know, I would have the only 10 year old kid you know, <laughs> that like didn't know how to read in the world, you know, and it's like, here's the reading teacher with a child that can't read. Um, so do you remember what that process was like for you of learning how to read as an unschooler? Um, I took to reading really quickly. I remember sitting on her lap and reading Bob books. I don't know if anybody uses the Bob books, but if you do, shout out to the Bob books. 
<laughs> I remember doing that, but I only have very small, like, you know, like maybe one memory of that. Cause I think I picked it up really quick mm-hmm. and I just started reading. Like I always read really high above, like my grade level. I was pe- picture books, chapter books so quick. Oh, wow. So I really don't remember learning how to read. And I kind of do wonder if, I don't know if you listen to like Peter Gray and he says, you know, like if a kid grows up around readers, the child will learn to read, even if you don't teach them. So I wonder if a lot of it is I just like absorbed it and figured it out for myself. But she did actively sit down with me and read Bob books. It didn't last very long because pretty soon I was on my own. Whereas my sister, my sister, I think probably would have picked it up so quick, but it was like I was already doing it. And like, she was mad, you know what I mean? So it took my sister a bit longer and she never wanted to do reading practice. So my mom was like, no, we're doing reading practice. And she's had to sit on my mom's lap and do like the little reading practice books. And then I was kind of a brat and I'd come by and I'd be like, oh, that's so easy. It says da, 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 da. And then that did not help my sister at all. (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah, I think I don't really remember a lot of it is because I picked it up really quick. But even if you have someone who's kind of resisting, like my sister, my sister can read, you know what I mean? Like it took her longer, but she can read. My brother, I think it might've taken the longest, but you know, he can also read perfectly well as well. So Wow. That's so fascinating. Cause I, I know for most people reading and math are kind of the two yeah. big fears, you know, when they're like, okay, science history okay you know they'll figure that stuff out but reading and math I think are the two areas that most parents are really really worried about um, in regards to unschooling and so it's nice to hear that even though you guys all learned at different ages that you all are still able to read now and you're you're (laughs) naked in the world and um, successfully reading what about math what was math like for you oh math so I hated math. I really did. My mom got these books and they had like 50 problems on the page. You know, you have to multiply and do long division and all this. And I hated doing it. I thought it was so boring. I didn't see the point. And eventually it was such a struggle because this was back in the early days when my mom was still kind of like sitting down with us. Mm-hmm. Um, she used that. She used um, these counting bears, like these little plastic bears and these like stacking blocks to show like units of 10. So we did all of that. And I, it was such a struggle that my mom decided, you know what, we're not gonna do math. So I was about seven or eight. I didn't do math again until I was 13 or 14. And I started pre-algebra and I, I went right in, you know what I mean? It wasn't difficult. It was a developmental thing. You know, my mom kind of figured out, wait a second, you can, you can stretch math out through the ages of six to, you know, till you graduate high school, or you can just kind of let it be and then teach it all at once when the kid is like 14 or so, when it's, when it makes sense, you know what I mean? When it's easy to get. And that's, that's what we did. And so I didn't do math for a really long time. And then by the time I picked it back up, you know, I had already transitioned into like the formal operation stage. Mm -hmm you know, at the, I was around 13, 14. So I was already past that. And it was just so much easier. It wasn't a struggle. I was more self-motivated. You know, my mom wasn't sitting down with me. She said, okay, this is what you're going to use for math. And I would just do my lessons. And I still 
was not the best at it. It was still was not my favorite, but you know, I could do it. And it was kind of more fun at that point, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So <laughs> that is so fascinating. And, it, and I've heard a lot of people say that about math, that it's one of those things that you can learn kind of everything that you need to know. I've heard of many unschoolers that learn all the math that they need from kindergarten through 12th grade in like a couple of months. You yeah. know, they're learning it when they're older and it's just easier and they have an interest in it or a reason to learn it. And it, it just goes by so much faster. Um, yes. When, yes. when you were growing up, did you ever want to go to school or what did you ever, were you ever curious about that or wanting to experience what school was like? So I did go to school. I never wanted to until I was a teenager, first of all, but as a child, I did, I do remember going to school with two of my little best friends. This must've been first grade maybe. And my experience of school is it was so loud that I couldn't hear myself think. Hmm. And I didn't like it. I think on the playground, somebody made me cry. I thought the teacher was mean because like we were um, sitting in class coloring this picture of pigs and my friend Ellen, who's like super smart, like she was always like way ahead of everything. Um, the teacher said, okay, now we're going to color the pigs red. She was telling us what color to color everything. Oh my, and, you know, I was just coloring along, but now, now that I'm thinking about that, that was kind of weird. Like, why would you do that? But she was saying, you know, so now we're going to color the pigs red. And my friend, Alan, because everyone knows pigs are pink. You know what I mean? Pigs aren't red. She raises yeah. her hand and she says, oh, are the pigs red because they're sunburned? Which is like a really creative thing to say, you know? The teacher yeah. goes, no, they're red because I said so. And I didn't like that. I was oh, like, what a mean teacher. <laughs> like, come on. Like, she's just asking a question, throwing out a thought. But yeah, yeah. So I did not like my experience of school. Um. Hmm. definitely liked being at home. I could play, do whatever I wanted because schoolwork didn't take that long. It took us maybe an hour to hmm. get through everything. And then we could do what we wanted for the rest of the day. You know, I've, hmm. I was writing and illustrating books the whole time, which honestly was more useful, you know, cause I'm a writer now. So it was more useful for me to be able to spend as long as I wanted, you know, doing that. Um, so I never wanted to go to school until I was around, you know, 14, 15, we were living in England at the time and all of my friends went to like the department of defense school on base and, you know, I was left out. So I wanted to go to the school. I think eventually I talked my mom into maybe like signing me up for like some sports, but then we ended up moving away from England before I got involved in that. Oh. But yeah, until I was a teenager, I didn't want to go to school. And then actually, after we moved from England, we moved to Washington, D.C., like, and we were on a base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were on a base, um, Joint Base Anacostia Bowling, and the school system, the nearby school system was so bad, there was a huge community of homeschoolers. So I was um, 15, 16 years old, and all of a sudden, I had so many homeschooled teenager friends. So I wasn't left out anymore. So once I had that, I didn't want to go to school. You yeah. know what I mean? I loved being homeschooled because, you know, we'd, we'd do our schoolwork in the morning. It would take us like two hours. And then from like after lunch to the rest of the day, we were hanging out, you know, playing baseball down at the baseball fields, ultimate Frisbee, doing all sorts of stuff. So uh -huh. once I had like that peer group and I didn't feel so left out, I mean, 
that was really all I wanted from school. You know, I didn't want to go there for the education. (laughs) I wanted friends kind of a thing. So that's so true. I I feel like that's very true about a lot of kids is that, you know, Mm -hmm. when they, when they think about going to school, it's like, they don't actually want to go to school. Like they miss their friends. Um, and actually yeah. I'm working with a girl now who her parents um, actually pulled her out in September of last year um, to homeschool her. And she's been struggling with that, you know? And, and so mm-hmm. I was trying to talk to her, like, what is it a- about school that you miss? Like, cause she's like, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to school. I'm like, can you, can you help me understand what is it about school that mm-hmm. you miss? And she was like, well, I-, I miss my friends. And I'm like, okay, so, so it's not, school that you're missing mm-hmm. it's not the education like you said it sounds like you're missing having people to hang out with you know and that's totally possible as as a homeschooler but I know a lot of parents that's another one of like the big concerns that people have yes. is they're like oh if you're homeschooled how are they going to socialize mm-hmm. um, what would you say to someone that has that kind of like objection to to homeschooling they're like oh how can you ever socialize if you socialize uh here's what I generally say to people is um you know you're you're basically just living your life as a family when, when you're homeschooling and as long as you as the parent don't live under a rock this is not going to be an issue I mean if you're like a parent who like isolates yourself in the middle of nowhere and never sees anybody that's another story that's like you know abusive whatever that's not what we're talking about we're just talking about you know, world schooling, like, like you say, you know, just like living your life in the world and letting those experiences kind of help shape and form your child. So if you're a parent and you have a social life, I mean, you have a social life without school, right? Adults do the same for your child. Um, you know, get to know other people in the neighborhood, get involved in a homeschooling group. If there is one friends don't have to like exist in school, and and for us adults that's not how it works so that's how it can work for your kids too so just making friends like whether they're nearby whether they're from a group or a club I mean there's so many things you can get involved in Mm. Um, and I would just say just kind of like let it develop organically you know friendships in your child's life yeah and your child will probably have more time to socialize um without school and it will be better time to socialize because in school it's like kids want to socialize during the lesson if you're homeschooling or unschooling whatever you're doing your child can spend you know one to two hours focused on their work and then their socializing can be completely free of that oh you've got to pay attention you've got to pay attention to your work because their work's done Mm -hmm. now they can just socialize so to me it's a it's a better way of socialization and you're not limited to kids your same age you can socialize with other adults older kids younger kids kids all in a big group with different ages you know it's just a much more dynamic um socialization I think as like an unschooler or a homeschooler that's so true being I love that part about homeschooling of not being stuck with all of like the kids that are your same age (laughs) being able to interact with people that are elderly or people that are adults, people that are younger than you, babies, you know, people that are older than you. And, and I truly feel like that is the better form of socialization because that is what real life is. You're nowhere else in real life. Are you trapped with people that are all the same age as you all day long? You know, I'm like, that's not what real life is, you know? And so I think that's beautiful that you had that opportunity to be able to interact with people of all different 
ages and backgrounds. And it sounds like you were able to have a lot of really incredible experiences doing that all over the world and building relationships with people all over the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that was another thing that was really cool about um, unschooling in a military family is we had more opportunities to travel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's something that I know a lot of people do. They take lots of field trips and that doesn't work for every family, but like, that's what we were always doing. We, yeah. we traveled everywhere and we went to all these different sites and had we been tied to a school schedule, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that you had a lot of really positive experiences as an unschooler. I'm wondering if there's anything that you wish that you would have changed or something maybe that you didn't like about unschooling. Um, you know, I really don't think I have anything. And I don't know if that's not necessarily that there weren't negatives to it, but just kind of my mindset of, you know, things kind of happen for a reason, you know, different experiences happen for a reason and they teach you something. So, I mean, all in all, like, I'm really grateful, especially as I've gotten older, it's been the past couple of years where I've gotten to that point where like, I really appreciate my mother and like what she did for me versus, you know, kind of like before I was more in that like rebellious, oh, I'm gonna be nothing like my mother, you know? I'm not going to make these choices, but yeah, Mm -hmm. lately over the years, like I've really come to understand what my parents did for me by raising me the way they did. And honestly, I wouldn't change anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll probably do things differently with my children because I'm a different person, but I am a different person because I was allowed to grow up in such a way. Mm. I feel you are a different person because you're able to grow up being your own individual person. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. What do you think you would do differently when you have your own children one day? Um, I would, I would probably take things, um, maybe a little bit further in regards to the unschooling. Um, I don't know that I would do as, because I told my mom's um, education, um, what is it process kind of changed over, you know, it was a little more structured. So I think I would probably start off like, you know, just as free as we ended up kind of being, Mm -hmm. and I would love to expose them to music more so. So my, neither of my parents are, are musical. So I don't know how we all three ended up being very musical, but anyway, so, but because I am musical myself and I went to school for music. So I would love to kind of surround my kids with musical instruments and like nurture that more, maybe take them to like drum circles. I love going to drum circles, you know, just in jam sessions and allowing them to explore music more so than like I had the opportunity to, because we just, I don't know. We just weren't around like as many musical people. Um, but yeah, and I would also love to like raise my kids like on the road. Like I'd love to like travel around like just as much, if not more so than we did. <laughs> that would be really fun. That's really cool. I, I love that you, you can see your mom's kind of process, right? Like starting out, I think mm-hmm. it is hard for us as teachers to let go of a lot of like the schoolish mindset that we have and 
and really to be able to like kind of go all in and, and trust your children to have that mm-hmm. educational freedom, um, I think is really hard. But I love that you're able to see your mom's process of starting out with a little bit more structure and then over time letting go. And I'm so fascinated by the fact that given that you were able to experience both of those, that you actually would choose to give your children freedom from the beginning. Um, I think that is so so beautiful. And I wish every child would, would have the opportunity to have educational freedom from the beginning. Um, yes. I wonder how much different my own life would be if I, if I would have had that for myself too, but I'm also really interested in the fact that, you know, you mentioned that your, your parents are not musical at all. And mm-hmm. yet here you are <laughs> a, a musician and how on earth did that happen? Like, how did your parents oh support you in your music or how did you discover a love for music and become a musician when your parents that was like not their thing yeah so I think this is a great example of exposing you know kids because I do think it's very important you know maybe especially like with a self-directed education you do have to like kind of expose your child to everything if you know and you let them decide like what they're interested in but you do have to expose them and one thing about my parents is they are huge music lovers, even though they're not like musicians themselves. So they loved Broadway. So we grew up listening to music. Um, we listened to a lot of Broadway. They took us to a lot of um, Broadway musicals. And I would just like, you know, I just have so many memories of sitting in the car, singing along to Broadway, to like ABBA, to like all our kids music we listened to. And so I was always singing. I was never very good at it. Like I kind of was like a little tone deaf, but I loved it. You know, I loved it so much. And I could just see myself like on stage singing when I was growing up and I wanted to do it so much. And I begged for piano lessons and uh, voice lessons. And I think I finally, when I was a teenager, my mom said, okay, like you're serious enough about this. Cause I'd been like messing around on the piano, trying to teach myself for a while. And so by the time I was 15 or 16, she said, okay, I'm going to get you piano lessons. Hmm. And she got me piano lessons. And because I was such like a good reader, you know, I, I told you, I picked up reading really fast. I've always been very visual. Um, I was able to go pretty far with piano, even though I didn't formally start until I was around 15, because I was able to sight read really quick. So I could read the music and play it you know sometimes it takes some people a long time to learn how to do that but I I picked that up really quick it was easy for me to read music and play it even really difficult music so I started accompanying for like plays um, graduations kind of like in our little bass community Um, I won a year of free organ lessons because you know the organ is a dying instrument so there was an institution that offered a year of free organ lessons oh, wow. if you, you know, auditioned and they teach you how to play the organ just because they need more musicians to play the organ. Um, trying to think what else I did. Yeah. And I actually started teaching music lessons as a teenager as well. You know, mm-hmm. I had my own little business. I had already been babysitting since I was 12. Like, so I was very like entrepreneur, like I made all my own money, cash to buy all my own clothes, do whatever I wanted. And I added uh, piano lessons to that too. And I would teach in the little bass community there, um, you know. But yeah, I think it, it was that exposure. And my mom, you know, trusted me. If it was something I really, really wanted, she said, okay. And she got me the lessons, you know. Yeah. 
I, I think that's a great example of being supportive of your passions and your gifts and kind of being able to outsource, I feel like, is this mm-hmm. thing that, that parents can benefit from learning how to do. Um, Cause I think a lot of times we, we feel like, especially when we're homeschooling, like, okay, I'm homeschooling. So I'm supposed to teach my child all these things. And, yeah. and there's just, there's so much knowledge in the world and I don't have it all, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think being able to find resources that can support our children's learning is, is so important. And I love that, that you were able to not only take that, that investment that she made in you of giving you piano lessons, but you even turned that into a business for yourself and started <laughs> giving piano lessons to other people. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, I, I don't know what it is about unschoolers, but I find that the unschoolers that I see online or that I'm reading about, a lot of them really tend to have that entrepreneurial spirit, like you mentioned, and, and are really mm-hmm. highly self-motivated and think outside the box and start their own businesses. Um, have you noticed that too? And if so, why do you think that is? Yes, I have noticed that. Um, actually, the, uh, I started noticing that um, among uh, the writers, you know, the writer community that I've connected with, because I love to write. And one of my very favorite um, authors, she's independently published. I mean, she does everything. She has Patreon, she has stickers, she has a YouTube channel, she has all this. I found out she was homeschooled. I thought, of course, of course. <laughs> but the, my theory is, because I started thinking about it, I was like, why is that? My theory is, if you are told what to do all day, you kind of lose the ability to manage your own time and figure out like what's inside you mm-hmm. and what you want to do. And I think people feel like, oh, you know, if I take my kid out of school and let them decide what to do, they're going to be lazy. You know, and and people might feel like that if somebody works a nine to five job. Oh, well, when you get home from nine to five or you get home from school, you're kind of burned out. Like you do just want to watch TV. But I have a theory is if you take anyone and you let them have freedom of their own time and it might take months, it might take years, depending on how long they've been in like the system. But if you let someone direct their own time the natural state of being human, I really believe is being productive and creative and inspired and motivated. You know, I just don't think that a healthy person rolls out of bed and wants to be lazy all day. Like that's not in us. It's in us to want to do all these things and growing up unschooled. I mean, like I said, so there's what, one, two hours of school that I had to do. The rest of my time was my own. I learned how to manage my time and come up with things to do and learn and not be bored kind of a thing. So I just have developed like time management and inspiration and all of these things that I think, you know, school kind of doesn't give kids a chance to develop those things because you were told what to do all day long. So when you do have your own time, it's like, you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to manage it. You know, you, you just might not know how to like even work for yourself because you've never had to direct yourself before ever. And that's kind of sad, you know? <laughs> it is. Um, it is very sad. And I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, children being this for in this forced schooling environment for so long, I really do. I, I And I, I see it happening right before my eyes when I was in the school system, I would see kids that would come into kindergarten and they would be happy and excited and curious and asking a million questions. And what are we going to learn today, Miss Harders? 
And then over time, I would see them as they would grow up. And then usually somewhere around third grade, it was like, like a light, you know, just switched off in them or something. And, and they lost that, that passion and that curiosity and that motivation. And it just apathy set in. And it was so heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to see, because I'm like, I remember, you know, this girl or this boy a couple of years ago, and they were so full of life and so happy and curious. And then now it's like pulling teeth and they're miserable. And, and it's just, it's, it's awful, you know? Um, and, but you, you touched on something else too, that I know I, I get a lot of questions about as well, when it comes to, can we really trust kids to have mm-hmm. free time, you know? And, um, and that, that very real fear that if I give my kids free time, they're just going to watch TV all day and do nothing and be lazy, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like the analogy that you gave that, you know, when you go to work all day and you come home at five, of course, you're going to want to like veg out on the couch <laughs> or watch, chill and watch a movie. You know, you're not going to want to come home and work more. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm wondering what you would say to someone that has that concern of like, oh my gosh, you know, if, if I were to just trust my child to direct their time, they would literally be watching TV mm-hmm. all day. Um, I, I would say that if that does happen, it might just be a matter of kind of getting through that period because I did have the experience of, so I was unschooled, then I went to college and then I worked, I, I worked in a nursing home for a little bit. And then after that, I started to work for myself. And it's almost like after going through college and working, I had to get back to how I was before I did that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I had to get back to that natural state, like you were saying, of the curiosity, the motivation, like you see in those five-year-olds. So I believe, could be wrong about this, but I truly believe that that is innate in everybody. And, you know, people might have to work through that to get back to it, but I think it's there and I think you can always get it back. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to those parents is, you know, just, just try it. You know, if you're willing to just try it, just give it a chance, let your kid go through whatever they need to go through and, and then keep exposing them to things, you know, like, like we talked about before, it's about exposure, you know, take them to cool places, take them to the library, you know, surround them with cool things that they might be interested in and give them time. And I, truly believe that like that will come back in your child that like natural curiosity um and excitement and motivation you know if you just let them be for a little bit which can be scary especially because you know I'm just speaking for myself it worked for me but you know just just try it like (laughs) I hope it works I I definitely think it'll work and you know and if that does happen like share the story about how like your kid you know completely changed Mm -hmm. because I think it's possible. I really do. <laughs> I, I do too. And it's, it, it definitely requires a lot of faith and trust yeah. and um, <laughs> to really be able to, to trust our children to, to own their time and to be responsible for their own life. Um, but it, it's not easy. That's for sure. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I was curious about too, I know you said that you do music um, and you mentioned that you were unschooled, but then you went to college and got a job. 
Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I hear a lot too is parents saying, you know, if I unschool my child, how can they go to college? Um, that's a really, a really big fear for people that if you're unschooled and you're not having any, you know, formal schooling or mm-hmm. whatever that might look like for you, how on earth can you get into college? Um, can you share with us what that process was like for you? I mean, obviously you, you did go to college, so you were able to get in somewhere. Um, what was the, that process like for you applying to a college as an unschooler? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that because I, I do think this is honestly like one of the biggest concerns for people because certifications, you know, that's what our world runs on, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so we could have taken the SATs. But, and that would have helped, but my mom hated the SATs. She thought they were a racket. I mean, they charge so much money, you know, it's like a gatekeeper kind of thing. So we didn't do that. So what she did is she always told us, what you're going to do is you're going to start at community college. And I don't, hopefully it hasn't changed, but you know, back when I was doing it, you didn't have to give them like, you know, a high school diploma. You could just start Mm -hmm. at a community college. So she says, you're going to start at community college. You're going to get your general education out of the way because college is expensive, you know, especially these days. So yeah. she's like, that's just what you're going to do. It's going to work best for you financially and, you know, with the um, the credits because you don't need your high school diploma. You don't need to take all these SATs and prove anything like you have to do for like a four-year school, right? Yep. So that's what I did. I had a 4.0 from my community college classes and I managed to get into a four-year university on a transfer because then you use your transfer your transcript from there to get into a place as a transfer student and because I had that I actually did better than as I was coming in you know as 18 year old maybe with the SATs or whatever because I had already proved I could do college work with like a really good grade so I applied to my four-year school and I not only got in, I got the highest academic scholarship that you could possibly get and the highest music scholarship that you could possibly get, which covered like almost all of my tuition. And I, we were living in the same place. So I lived at home and I saved money that way by, you know, commuting to school. Yeah. So I definitely recommend going that route. You know, if somebody wants to, if a child wants to go to college, just start at community college. Yeah. You know? And then you really prove your worth and then you can, you, your chances will probably be better getting into a school that you want to get into. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I, I'm blown away. Like you had a 4.0 <laughs> in college after never attending school yeah. prior to that. That is I've never, yeah, I'd never written a five paragraph essay before in my life. And I still took English, took me a bit to get the thesis sentence my professor was like okay you still haven't grasped the point of it but I was such a good writer that it didn't matter you know like I figured out how to write a five paragraph essay it's just a structure yeah I was a good writer like that's all yeah what um I it I mean it sounds like it worked for you because you were a great writer do you think that unschooling can still work for children that maybe don't like writing as much or um or don't enjoy reading? Because I know not everyone likes reading, yeah. writing, and math. What do you think? Yeah, I I think so. Because my brother, same thing. My sister um, didn't go to college, but my brother is currently in college now. And he 
I mean, he read a little bit, but he kind of stopped reading after he hit a certain age. He never wrote, but from what I've seen of him, he's he he's writing his papers like at midnight, you know, like the hour before they're due and he gets good grades on them. And I don't know, he always watched a lot of documentaries and he was always very interested in like history and stuff. So I don't know if he just has a good grasp of the English language from like auditory information, but he, he never really wrote a lot, but he's still able to write good papers. Not mm -hmm. quite sure why that is, but I do think um, unschoolers have the advantage of, they generally know a lot more because they have time to explore what they're interested in. So their time is used more efficiently. So what they know, they know really well, mm. you know, and like they have the time to devote to learning about all these like world events. Cause that's my brother. He's like very good with history and world events. And like, he just has like this context that a lot of like other 18 year old boys like don't grasp because he would watch documentaries all day or you know do whatever so yeah I I definitely think it's possible because I think even people who maybe that's not like their forte pretty much all the unschoolers and homeschoolers I've seen have you know they have adequate grasp on writing in English even that's not their passion they mm -hmm. still can do it so whereas I like can do it really well you know, I've never met a homeschooler who can't write, you know, adequately to like a good level. Like the only people I've met who can't write well went to school. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, so that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. It's funny that you say that too, because honestly, I, I, I spent my last year teaching um, at a high school and it was, shocking to me to see, mm -hmm. I would have seniors that could not write a complete sentence um, and didn't know how to spell and didn't know how to form a pair. I mean, nothing like, mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was shocking to see, okay, we're about to hand this child a diploma. They've been in school for 13 years at this point, counting mm -hmm. kindergarten, maybe even longer. And they've gotten to this point and they still cannot write a, a cohesive, coherent sentence. Um, and then, as you mentioned, there, there are homeschoolers that are able to write incredibly well. And, and so it's, it always is interesting to me when I hear parents being concerned about that of like, oh my gosh, you know, what if my kid can't learn how to do X, Y, Z because they're homeschooled. And I'm like, okay, but there are kids that have been to school and can't do X, mm -hmm. Y, Z, yeah. you know, exactly. so, so yeah. just because they're homeschooled or they're in school, just because they're in school, that's not a guarantee that they're going to learn how to do any right. of it anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, again, it goes back to that whole issue of, of that, that force, you know, trying to force kids to do something that they don't care about, or they yeah. don't see the value in and they don't enjoy. Um, and, and I know you mentioned that you're a writer. I would love to hear more about what do you write and what do you, what are you working yeah. on? Publish? What do you, what do you like to write about? Yeah. So I like to write in a lot of different genres. I write, historical fiction and fantasy sometimes like a blend of the two I also write romance which can be contemporary or you know historical fiction uh, my first book is coming out this year I have a contemporary romance and I also have like a fantasy novella and then sort of a science fiction-y short story so it's going to be a, a big year because they're all I don't know how this happened I work on multiple things at the same time so that might be why they all ended up being ready this year, <laughs> kind of crazy, but 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm independently publishing, which is not something I ever considered growing up until I kind of got involved with like the writing community on Instagram back in 2020. And I started learning more about indie publishing. And the more I learned about it, I think probably as an unschooler, it just appealed to me. You know, you get to do more of the work. Um, you hire your own comfort designer. You hire your own editor. You do your own marketing. Mm-hmm. And that sounded really fun to me. You know, if, if you're someone that that doesn't interest you, you know, you should probably go for traditional publishing because it is more work to self-publish. But I was finding through, you know, doing social media and creating content and like blog posts and this and that, that I really loved that part. Mm-hmm. So I thought I definitely want to self-publish because then I get to do my own marketing. Yeah, I get to make things look how I want. I get to format my own book, which sometimes I'm excited about, sometimes I'm not, but you know. Well, I can definitely help you with the formatting part. Actually, when I, I published my first book um, in 2019 and the formatting was by far the most difficult part. I like mm-hmm. wrote my whole book in Google Docs, which um, for anyone who's interested in writing a book, please do not write in Google Docs. In Google Docs. <laughs> Um, learn from my mistake. Yeah, don't do that. Um, so I wrote the whole thing in Google Docs and then I was finally ready to publish it. And then I realized Amazon, um, which is who I, I published through Amazon, um, they don't like Google Docs. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I ended up having to basically like start the whole thing all over again because I couldn't figure out how to you know, do the mirroring the pages and changing the chapter titles and all of that other like formatting stuff that people just don't think about when they think about writing a book. And um, so after doing that, it literally took me like two weeks to figure out the formatting for it. And I ended up making a template um, because I was like, I am never going to do this again. <laughs> I'm never going to like put myself through this nightmare of trying to figure out how to format a book again. And so I made a template and um, that's what I've been using to write all of my other books. And so it's so nice because I have the template ready. And then whenever I'm ready to start writing a new book, I, I already have like the whole layout is set up and the page numbers and fonts and everything is there. And um, yeah, so if you're, if you're listening and you're interested in writing or publishing your own book, you can definitely check that out. I'll put, make sure that I put the link for that in the description because I actually sell that, um, sell the template on my website so you can save yourself the headache and the mess that I went through um, when I was trying to publish my first book. And it literally has everything there for you. And all you got to do is add your words. So, yeah. Oh, that's so smart. And I do know like a lot of the self-published authors, I know they also, they, once they went through it, they, they did the same as you and they had a template and a lot of them write in their template, just like you do. Yep. You know, I actually met a writer, oh, this weekend I was at a conference and I saw she was working on her book and it was already formatted. It was her second book. Yeah. She'd already published the first one. I was like, oh, you write in your temp, in, you know, your format. She says, yep, I do. And I think that's, you know, as indie authors, like, you know, you have to do it. So it's like, I might as well just start right here in the template, save myself all the work. It does. Mm -hmm. It saves so much time and stress when you already have everything set up. And it's like, I don't have to worry about the formatting. I can just focus on the writing, which is the part that I really love. And and that's the most important part, you know, is Mm -hmm. that you're going to have the book. Um, and so definitely, I think it definitely helps a lot that I don't have to, t- I don't have to format a book ever again. I can just, you know, use the template mm-hmm. and go from there. Um, and I think it's, it's nice too, for authors to be able to kind of start, you know, 
with the end in mind, right? We're not having to make more work for ourselves and we can work smarter and not harder. Um, yeah. And, and be able to use those tools. And, um, and I, I love what you said too about, you know, you having that control over your cover design and, um, you know, like the formatting that you want and all those kinds of things. And I actually, I designed all my own covers too. Um, yeah, I did them in Canva. I like learned how to use Canva, which I absolutely love. Me too. Um, <laughs> obsessed with Canva. <laughs> yes, me too. I love Canva. I do like everything in Canva now. And actually, um, I don't know if you know this, but Canva has um, like the, you know, do you have the pro version? I do not, but they do have a lot of cool features in that pro version. Yeah. They, they do, but they actually have the education version, um, which is like the oh. pro version and it's free. Um, so if you are a homeschooler or a home like with a homeschool student or a homeschooler, or even you as a music teacher, um, you can mm -hmm. buy and tell them that you need Canva education and you can use all of the Canva Pro features completely for free. Um, oh, that's so good to know. Thank you. Yes, you are very, very welcome. Yeah, so we, I love Canva and um, I think it's, it's a great way for people to be able to design and learn how to like do design um and make your own covers and stuff i'm actually thinking about doing um doing like a, a writer's workshop um just to kind of have that like accountability every month for people that want to write or want to publish a book um and and kind of need that extra mm -hmm. push, you know like okay every week i'm gonna write something and you know i i don't know yeah. if you have this i'm sure you probably have this experience once you publish your first book it's like well, now what, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I published my first book and then I have the rest of my life to continue writing and publishing more books. And it like, it never ends. There's always more to write about mm -hmm. and there's always more stories to tell. And, um, yeah. So I think, you know, constantly having projects that we could be working on or different things that we can write, you know, write about, and then being able to have a, a community of writers, which it sounds like you have a community of writers that, mm -hmm. that can kind of push you and hold you accountable to like, yes, we're going to, you know, write 10,000 words this week or something. Um, and just to continue putting out that content is really, really helpful. Um, so can we give us a peek of like when your book might be released or what the title is so that we can be looking for it by the, hopefully by the time um, this episode airs, your book will maybe possibly be out and I can share it with everyone. But um, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I haven't done title reveals for any of them yet. Ah, so okay. I so probably don't want to do it now. And <laughs> I'm not quite sure because this is my um the first time I've gone through publishing. Um, I can't really give an exact date on when it's going to be because I have to go through one more round of edits and then I have my cover designer. And then like I said, I don't know how long it's gonna take me to do the formatting and like the technicalities of publishing on Amazon, you know, like it is, there's a lot that's going through yeah. with that, but <laughs> I assuming my rough estimate is it's going to be sometime this summer. Okay. Like just thinking about well, everything I have to do, my, um, my romance will come out in the summer and probably the novella not long after that. And the short story actually, because it's a short story might come out a little bit sooner um, I'm working on building my website and the short story will probably be like more available on my website. And I also want to do an audiobook recording of it. And uh -huh. so I'll have it, you know, 
out as like an audio you can listen to as well. I love that. All right. So we'll, we will remain in suspense pending (laughs) hearing the release of your first book. And then whenever it does release, please let me know, Jenny, I would love to make sure that I can add that into the description of this video so people can buy your, your first book or second book or third book and, and support you in your writing. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. I would love that. I will definitely let you know. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, well, I'm like, I, there, I feel like there's so much more that I really want to talk to you about. I know we talked about like unschooling, world schooling. Um, I will definitely want to have you back on as a guest in the future so we can talk about voluntarism and how, you know, yes. unschooling mm-hmm. lends itself to unschooling with children eventually becomes, mm-hmm. you know, voluntarism as an adult. Um, but I would love to just close with asking you if there's one piece of advice that you would like to share with someone who is thinking about unschooling, what would that be? Um, My one piece of advice is to tell you as a parent, you have the intrinsic ability to raise your child like successfully, like as a successful adult, and your child has the intrinsic ability to learn absolutely everything they need to learn to be a successful adult in this world. I mean, you adapt to your environment. If you're in the environment of the world, like you just have that natural ability to survive, to be successful, to thrive in it. Like it's within you. You don't have to go out and find it. You just have to like kind of go inside and it's there. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely there. So just have faith and trust in yourself and trust in your child. It's like, there's nothing stronger than that bond. And like you both, you know what's best and your child knows what's best and together you two like, you've got it. You've got this. Like, you really do. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so very much. And so encouraging to hear. Again, as I mentioned, I'm, you know, at the very beginning of my unschooling journey. And it has been so wonderful talking with you, Jenny, and just hearing more about your experience from being a kindergartner, learning how to read, to becoming <laughs> a college student, and now an adult that is starting your own business and publishing your own books and doing all of this really incredible stuff in the world. And it is such a pleasure to to know you and to be a part of of this part of your journey in your life. So thank you so very much for sharing your story and a bit of your life with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love connecting with other unschoolers. So it's been a real pleasure for me to be here too, for sure. Um, and if people are listening and they would love to get in contact with you or connect with you, or maybe follow you as you continue to maybe one day become a, a famous author or something, um, how can people get connected with you and the work that you're doing, Jenny? Well, I have a Instagram account that is kind of connected to my writing. It is Jenny Writes of Faraway Lands. And, you know, on my website, my books are up. My website will be linked there, so you'll be able to find it. On Twitter, I am not a fiat woman, and that's where I mostly talk about unschooling. I also talk a lot about Bitcoin, so be warned. But I do talk about unschooling as well. So um, if you want more like unschooling from me, definitely my Twitter, not a fiat woman. And if you're interested more in my writing life, Jenny writes a faraway lands on Instagram and both of those will have the links to my website when it is up. 
Awesome. Thank you so very much. And I will make sure that I include the links to your Instagram and your Twitter um, so that anyone who's listening is able to start following you and connect with you. And um, hopefully you can continue to just share more about your unschooling journey now as an adult, because I, I, I feel like we never stop unschooling, right? That's no, kind of point, right? That we're, yeah, that's we're lifelong learners. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what I never thought about that before. I'm like, I'm an unschooler now too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I still think of myself as an unschooler. Yeah, because school <laughs> is not confined to K through 12. Oh like, or learning, I should say learning is not confined to K through 12. It's not. I love that. <laughs> learning is not limited to K through 12. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I get to be an unschooler now too. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we're all unschoolers. Even if you weren't unschooled yourself, you're still an unschooler. You oh know? my gosh. <laughs> what a mind-blowing idea. I literally had never thought about that before. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm always saying that on my Twitter. Like that's the kind of stuff I say. <laughs> We're all unschoolers. Yes. And actually that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to find you on Twitter. And I'm so grateful that I did. And um and yeah, so thank you so very much, Jenny, for sharing your time and your life with us. And to those of you that are listening, thank you so much for joining both of us today. I hope that this episode was as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. And stay tuned because I'm sure we'll probably have Jenny back in the future um, if she's up for it. And I am so excited to continue living and loving and learning with each of you about the wonderful world of unschooling. All right. Have a wonderful day and make sure that you stay tuned. Um, There are new episodes of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast that are released every single Tuesday. And it is my pleasure and honor to continue sharing with you about the world of unschooling. Have a great day. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.